Welcome into another special Sunday edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by a special guest this week, Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, how's it going? Doing great, man. How are you today, Woody? I'm good. Ryan, of course, used to work at Rivals covering uh, Pitt and before that, Ohio State. He's now currently a free agent. So, uh, boy, this is this kind of like a 10-day contract getting you on the podcast today? Yeah, something like that. I think I maybe got a AAA call-up and we're, uh, we're seeing how it goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something will work out. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you earlier in the week, and then I, and then someone told me you were working somewhere else, and then I checked your Twitter because I do not follow you, which is a tradition of a lot of the guests we we have on the show. <laughs> so so uh, do not take it as a slight, but uh, you know, someone will hire you soon, Ryan. Hopefully, we get you back at Rivals uh, in some capacity as yeah, we as we we groomed you. Works, man. Some good things coming in the works. So hopefully, it won't be too long now. I've got some positive news coming soon. I'd say. Oh, geez. Are we going to have a why I joined the athletic article? <laughs> no, there's going to be no missives from me. You won't hear any, uh, no self-serious essays on my career. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's jump right into it. Ryan was not at the Ohio. So we've, we've been trying to have people on every week who are at the game, but sadly we had three losers in a row on. So I did not do that this week <laughs> in an effort to not jinx either team. But uh, Ryan obviously has, has followed Ohio State closely. And uh, he w- he was watching the game closely last night and firing off all types of fire tweets. Ohio, Ohio State, of course, comes from behind, gets two late touchdowns, is led by uh, Dwayne Haskins, and they get a one-point victory, mainly because Penn State decided to run a bizarre play on fourth and five. I guess we can start there. What did you think, Ryan, when Penn State called timeout? I think they were on the 43-yard line. Trace McSorley's out there doing his best, you know, Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, whoever else you want to say impression. And they decide to run some like inside zone run. And I think it was Chase Young that just bottled it up immediately and ended the game. What, what was your take when you saw that happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I saw what the play call looked like, uh, I felt like pretty confident about Ohio State's, State's odds there. And then uh, they had... They ran a, a twi- like a double twist there where Chase Young and Jonathan Cooper, the defensive ends, uh, followed uh, the two defensive tackles in the field there into the gap. And Cooper kind of created a push, and Chase Young just uh, swarmed through. And and with I mean, his size and his strength, it's kind of hard to hold him back. But, uh, yeah, what an odd, odd situation for that play call to be in, especially because it looked like uh, Greg Schiano was just totally outmatched by Penn State's offense the entire night. Uh, you know, there was – Trace McSorley was getting like nine yards a pop if he wanted to. Every quarterback scramble, the, the quarterback spy was either too unathletic or just wasn't paying attention or or wasn't spying at all. Uh, and, and they were gashing Ohio State the quarterback run. So I, I was absolutely shocked whenever they ran, uh, ran up the middle there with Miles Sanders. It just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, Penn State was not running the ball well all night. I, I mean, they had more negative uh, carries than positive ones, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I mean, it, it was just it was a shocking choice i truly do not have any rationale why james franklin did that i can't imagine what his explanation was yeah and of course we saw him did you see the video of him you know get a little argument with the fan on the way out <laughs> i did i did is, is there now you you live in pennsylvania currently correct yeah uh yeah i'm i'm no longer living in pennsylvania but i was in pittsburgh for a little bit uh i'm, I'm currently based in columbus Okay, so is there anything more annoying than the fan essentially heckling him and then being like, I love you to death, bro? Like, and then he tells the guy afterwards, I told him I love him to death. I said it twice. Like, I mean, right out of the Dave Lackford playbook, I mean, in terms of, I don't know what the, you know, 
there a ter- term for people like that from Massachusetts? I don't know what the term is for people from Pennsylvania that are like that, but I mean, I could see why Franklin was annoyed with that guy. I was annoyed with him, and I have no tie <laughs> to uh, Penn State whatsoever. Yeah, I um, you know, I, I, a lot of kids in my high school end up going to Penn State, and kids I grew up with in Pittsburgh, and and there's definitely uh, it draws a certain kind of person, I'd say. You know, there, there's a kind of there's a certain the Penn State bro is a real stereotype that uh, definitely exists and is uh. A combination of like, you know, wealthy suburban Pittsburghers and just like pure Philly kids uh, just binge drinking large handles of vodka and saying absurd things. And it's, you know, it's a great tradition. You got to respect it. You got to respect the hustle. Well, so what, what's your take on Ohio State now? We don't have to go blow for blow through the game. Haskins, in my opinion, Haskins, I thought Haskins looked shaky at times. Obviously, you know, he came through in the clutch. Benjamin Victor made that big play. Uh, we saw him get in the little Twitter spat, and then it spilled over into the field where him and the guy I think got tangled up at one point. Yeah, Sharif Miller. Yeah, uh, that was there was they had a couple conflicts there. They I know they both got uh, offsetting uh, unnecessary roughness penalties after the play for for their little scrap. And uh, Sharif also had a couple couple quarterback hits on him, one on a design run, and I believe he had a sack as well. Um, I could be wrong on that as though, but uh, yeah, that was certainly a pretty uh pretty fascinating exchange and i gotta say um you know i don't know that sharif was wrong about his analysis and i think his criticism was that he said that Dwayne has a tendency to uh fold under pressure isn't the quote that he gave or folds when you hit him and uh well i thought Haskins definitely played a lot there in the second half it was pretty clear that crowd and, and the the blitzing pressure from penn state's defense there was getting to him pretty often and he he didn't really seem to trust his line he was starting off his back foot not stepping into the pocket uh so I definitely think Penn State rattled him a good bit, and it definitely raised some questions for me because coming into this game, uh, I thought Dwayne Haskins was one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the country, and it kind of looked like he had a Heisman campaign ahead of him, and, and he's a great pro prospect as well. So I guess this definitely did raise some questions about how he handles um, both external pressure, we talk about like media pressure and fan bases, but also literal on-field blitzing pressure, or uh, two huge questions raised by uh, last night's game. Yeah, I just don't think. I just don't think – I think there's limited – you know, I'm not the Twitter police type guy. Like, guys should stay off Twitter and all that. I just think there's – on the day of the game, you know, and also referring to himself as a lion. Yeah. um, (laughs) I know he – He he brands himself as Simba as well. Uh, It's his, like, nickname for himself. Slash, I think other people are cool with it too. But – so he kind of has the whole lion motif going, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that – I don't know. I mean, that has been his tw- – is that still his Twitter handle? Uh, Simba 7 I think, is the handle, something like that. Yeah. Right, and that's been in there for a long time. Of course, you know, we remember Haskins came up uh, through the Rivals camp, had zero offers, and I believe one MVP at a regional camp. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, he was one of the uh, – he was at the first Rivals camp I ever attended, which was one in uh, May 2014 in Columbus. Uh, right, he- he won the MVP and he, he essentially blew up after that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, then he ended up coming to Maryland, but yeah, Ohio State offered him really relatively early on. But he, he uh, went through the process a bit. I think he had a Bama offer. He had a, he had all kinds of things. Ended up at Maryland before uh, decommitting late uh, after the Edsel era ended at Maryland. <laughs> yeah, boy, interesting. <laughs> what what a what a bullet dodge there for him. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I think. I saw an article from Pete Thamel, who, of course, works uh, with me here at Yahoo, and also featured our friend uh, Quincy Avery, who, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Quincy works out with Trains Haskins or not. He does, I mean, yeah. Might. He's worked with Dwayne in the past, and he, he's one of uh, two or three quarterback coaches I know that Dwayne's worked with. Well, so uh, 
I, they said he's leaning towards going pro. I personally think this is a, you know, based on what I've seen, I think, I think it's, he's not going to hurt himself if he stays another year at all. I think he could only benefit from that. But as we kind of spin it forward here with Ohio state, this is a, this was a close win. This is by, they definitely, you know, they, they earned it. I'm not saying this wasn't like the Oregon Stanford game last week where it was like a crazy, you know, blowing of the game, but I do think they got lucky. They do have a relatively easy schedule. Do you see them tripping up between now and I don't know, maybe the Michigan game? Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I say it's a pretty easy schedule. Puts it lightly. I mean, the next four games are home against Indiana, home against Minnesota, at Purdue, home against Nebraska. Uh, that's just a cakewalk throughout uh, the rest of October and the start of November. And then you get Michigan State, who's looked wildly unimpressive, and I can't believe they're still ranked. Uh, you have Maryland, which I'm sure will be on its eighth string quarterback by the time that game rolls around. And then, and then Michigan. So I mean, I really can't imagine any of those games. Tripping Ohio State up, but we said that before, and sometimes you just see them lay insane eggs like uh, like Iowa, and last year, you know, when they just got walloped on the road in Iowa City, and, and I mean, they do have some inexplicable losses in their past, and last night felt like it was going to be one of them, where they wouldn't adjust to a single thing the entire game, so there's always that question of if Meyer still has his fastball, and if he's going to be able to, uh, you know, coach a football game where he understands what's going on, but, uh, you know... The schedule does set up pretty well for Ohio State to go eleven and one at works, and and uh, I, I'd be surprised they didn't go twelve and zero at this point. Yeah. Now, when we look at Penn State, unfortunately, does not have they they still have to play. You know, Michigan State, as you mentioned, who might be slightly overrated, but then they have to go. Uh, they closed with Michigan and Wisconsin back to back in November, and then they play Rutgers in Maryland. I feel like there's another loss or two for them on the schedule, even though theoretically they're still alive. Uh, you know, in the in the race to uh, win the conference, right? I think Michigan. Yeah, I think they're definitely still alive to win it, and they got to hope for for an Ohio. I think they got to hope for basically that three way tie that happened uh, happened a couple years ago that sent Ohio State to the conference title game, where I believe like Penn State beat Michigan or Ohio State beat Michigan, Michigan beat Penn State, and Penn State beat Ohio State. Um, I guess they got to hope for a similar thing here, where they end up winning the tiebreaker somehow. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, Ohio State could lose one of those games. It's hard to imagine this team losing two of them, which is what Penn State needs to win outright. Um, so I, I think that they're still in play, but they got to hope for some lucky breaks here and some, some weird tiebreakers. But, uh, yeah, I, I also think it's concerning for Penn State that Michigan feels like a team that's going to get better as the year goes on, as they kind of get healthier. You know, they have some playmakers coming back with Tariq Black getting healthy and, and – uh, you know, some younger guys improving on that offense. So I, I think Michigan's a team that's going to get better as the year goes on, and I'm not sure if Penn State will be. So I'll be intrigued to see uh, how that goes. All right, let's move on from that. We'll get right into the rest of the games. Uh, number two, Georgia. They blew out Tennessee 38-12 to in a game that was a little closer. It was one of those games that you kind of look up and you're like, hey, Tennessee's still in this, but at the same time you never felt like they were ever in the game. Uh, did you check in on this one at all? Yeah, yeah. I noticed uh, – I was mostly intrigued to see that Justin Fields got some snaps there, uh, which is I, – I was excited to see him get on the field. But, yeah, Georgia – they kind of let them hang around for a good while there. I think that's fair, and they kind of looked sloppy at times. I saw a few uh, a few dumb penalties from Georgia. Um, I want to. I'm looking up their yardage. Yeah, they had uh, six penalties for 40 yards, which it felt worse at the time. But yeah, I mean, they, they ended up winning handily, but it certainly was a little sloppy. You'd like to see. Um, it feels like 
you know, the SEC East is going to come down to this Georgia-Kentucky game here in a, in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> Which is insane. That's a, what a statement, insane right? Statement. <laughs> right. So it, it looked like Georgia was going to shut him out. I thought we were headed for like a 49 nothing type situation. And then you mentioned it was DeAndre Walker who uh, – you know, <laughs> gets a he got a penalty after the play. I think he got into it. It was a there was a series where it was like Jeremy Banks, the running back from Tennessee, who Tennessee fans love, even though he fumbled in the game. <laughs> he's one of he's one of the few guys who has like fight in him nonstop, and I think that's why Tennessee fans like him. I mean, he's he runs hard, he gets up, he's chirping, he's yelling on the sidelines, he's trying to get the fans involved. He's the kind of guy you need when you're rebuilding the program. And him and DeAndre Walker got into it on a few plays. And I think there was a play where Walker shoved him and then got the penalty. And actually, Drew Richmond came over and shoved Walker from there and was lucky he didn't get a retaliation penalty. I love Drew, man. He's, he's a funny kid. He's, <laughs> I, I enjoy, every time I see him, I enjoy it, I'd say. Well, the Tennessee fans, the Tennessee fans kill him. But when you look at the grades, now I don't know if you've noticed, we have uh, we have a partnership, I believe, with Pro Football Focus. Now we have access to the grades, and you'll see the Tennessee fans kill Drew Richmond every game. And then you go and look at his grades, and he grades out usually as their first or second best lineman, definitely their best pass blocker, which uh, <laughs> seems to slip through the cracks every week. But anyway. That, that that allowed Tennessee to ha- hang around, and Georgia did look sloppy, and I think Kirby said as much after the game. And now a lot of people are saying, I even heard some people saying, it doesn't matter if Georgia beats Kentucky because Georgia's going to lose twice in the SEC because they still have to play LSU, Florida, and Auburn. Now, I had been saying, and I've said on this podcast a million times, that I fully expected them to be 9-0 and going into the Auburn game. That was before Kentucky looked as good as they did, and LSU obviously is way better than any of us expected. I think Tennessee's, or I think Georgia's kind of coasting right now. I think, you know, we saw against South Carolina what happens when they could lock in. And I think they need that, you know, this game might not be the one, the wake up call. It may be that LSU game, but they got to be careful. And I think they're. There seem to be struggling in the passing game. You mentioned Fields came in, and I don't think there's anywhere near a controversy yet, but. You know, Fromm was 16 of 22 for 185, and that's fine. But he continues to have problems uh, with fumbles. I think he fumbled. He fumbled twice. They got them both back, including one was a bizarre play where Isaac Nata recovered it and then ran, ran it for, in for a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, that was a brilliant play by a complete accident. Right. But that was that was fun to watch. It's almost like they should try to get Isaac Nata the ball. Yeah, more. it's weird. You have like large, talented, athletic players. You want the ball in their hands. I, I don't know. That seems odd to try, but it's something worth worth looking into. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying I'm ready for a quarterback controversy. We're not to that point, but I think, I think, you know, we're going to see more of Fields. We'll put it that way. He had five carries for 45 yards and two touchdowns. He threw two passes for five yards. Uh, so that Georgia LSU game looms large. They play Vanderbilt next week. Uh, this was really my game of the week. Clemson and Syracuse. Clemson wins 27-23 on the back of uh, Travis Etienne. Rushes for 203 yards and three touchdowns. I don't know why you ranked him as a three-star, Ryan. That was a mistake <laughs> by you. I take full blame, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Chase Bryce, uh, inaugural winner of the Rivals Quarterback Challenge, uh, which, by the way, in year two, it was won by Trevor Lawrence, uh, fittingly enough. He comes in, he struggled a little bit through an interception, but late in the game, he was clutch. He had a 17-yard run. He hit some big passes. He found T. Higgins and did what he needed to do. I'll tell you what, I was like a, 
I was like a beaming father. I was I was driving back from Tennessee where I was went to some games this weekend in or in Nashville, and I was uh, watching the game while driving. And when Chase completed the pass on fourth down, I found myself clapping. I was very happy for him because everyone told him how stupid he was to go to Clemson. Uh, and you know, last year he's the fourth string quarterback. This year he's the third string. Gets passed by Trevor right away and. Lo and behold, there he is. Now he seems like he's a he's a Clemson folk hero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you've seen that at a, a ton of schools, right? You just see this guy come in in an ideal situation and wins a huge game against maybe a team where you you might get an upset, and that's always something uh, I think they remember. You know, there's I, I obviously I covered Ohio State, and prominently I recall the Kenny Guyton Purdue game in 2012. Uh, but I mean, yeah, this Chase Bryce game feels like I'll remember that one for a long time. Um, but the play that was burned into my mind was. And that fourth quarter, Xavier Thomas coming off the edge, nearly unblocked, and just smoking Eric Dungy um, was the the play I could not uh, stop rewatching after that. Um, it's I mean the defensive line talent at Clemson has been talked about a ton, and it's it's obviously ridiculous, but uh, especially when you see five star freshmen playing that way alongside these guys, and just realizing that that that's not slowing down anytime soon. If anything, Clemson's only continuing to improve. It, it's definitely. Definitely something that's changed the landscape of college football as a whole in the last decade. Uh, I mean, it's it's been brilliant what Davos when he's done there. Yeah, and and now I, I think we all assume that Trevor has a concussion. Well, I um, believe, yeah. Now it seemed that he it seemed like he was lobbying to come back in the game initially before they took him to the locker room. They said they took his helmet uh, on the broadcast. I personally think he, I think he's back. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Trevor's ever had a concussion before. I don't remember him missing a whole lot of games. They play Wake Forest next week, uh, so and then they have a bye after that. So it could be possible that they try to hold him out and just, you know, run a conservative game plan. Wake Forest defense has obviously been terrible, but it would uh, be the first time Clemson kind of plays with their food there. That's that's kind of something you expect from them week to week. Is is for as much talent as they have, they do kind of. Let, I mean. They, let, they seem to let teams hang in there every week no matter what they do. So, I, I mean, it's, I don't think it matters too much who they have a quarterback. I, I can't see Wake Forest beating them regardless. But um, I, I'd assume Trevor would play as well. Uh, I'd like to see him play, I think. Um, I kind of – I think it'd be good for his confidence to get back out there and kind of reaffirm why he was named the starter and, and why why Kelly Bryant left the school, why he caused – what is it, four quarterbacks to transfer? Um, you know, I mean, it's I, – I, I know this is somewhat of a hot take probably, but I do think he's – probably the best quarterback prospect I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, you know, you want to get him out there, you want him to play, and you want to build his confidence before a postseason or before your more serious challenges you might have in the schedule. Yeah, he, he struggled a little bit. And he's done this before where I think I still think he had a little bit of nerves. This People remember this was his first start. Yeah. You know, he played in all the other games. He hadn't started. It was at home. It was a big atmosphere. I think he'll settle in nicely just like he did after. Even the first game he played early in the year, he had some nerves, you know, and, and now he gets hurt. But, you know, Trevor's as cool as it gets. And uh, him and Chase, I think, are going to form a nice duo going forward. I don't think, you know, it seemed like – the broadcasters were just, you know, wanting Kelly Bryant to show up at halftime. Yeah, that was odd. I, I, it seems like such an unlikely storyline. I can't imagine why it's been pursued so much. Right. They're like, the door's not closed. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I can tell you I've been following up on that story behind the scenes before. And as of Friday morning, I got a call about noon saying that Kelly hadn't gotten his release yet. Uh you know, from a source close to the situation who also told me that 16 schools have been, uh, have reached out uh, through an intermediary to try to uh, get a hold of Kelly. So I think the door is closed. He's not coming. Are there any you want to share besides Uh, Louisville? 
you know, I think I think Arkansas is obviously going to be a school that people uh, are going to hear mentioned. I think uh, Oregon, depending on what happens with Justin Herbert, who well, we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of schools are going to be looking to get Kelly. And I think he's going to wait and see how it plays out with guys going to the drafts and stuff like that. He's on pace to graduate in uh, December. So that'll be the or no he's already graduated excuse me but he is taking graduate classes that he wants to finish up before he transfers to another school what do so, you think of the schedule going uh, forward it, it seems like they're i know they've kind of underwhelmed and lately and this game was not great but do you see any team in the schedule that has a chance to i mean play a game with them really maybe duke uh, they've been so slow out of the gate of these games even when they had bryant uh, you know, NC State always makes me a little nervous. I think that, I think they've kind of been underrated, even though they've struggled with some teams that are undefeated. Um, you know, Boston College might give them they trouble. Well, yeah, that's how VC action. I'm looking at it's pretty interesting. And South Carolina has been competitive enough to to hang in there. Um, although I doubt they win it, but I mean, you know, that, that's that's a team that probably has enough talent to to make a ball game of it. Yeah, I think if Trevor comes back uh, in short order, they're headed for an undefeated season, and uh, uh, that would be amazing to have a true freshman, you know, lead you to a conference championship. They like do that. play some uh, some uh, impressive quarterbacks coming up, though. I will. I mean, I, I really like Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, and you got Finley at NC State. Um, and they have Daniel Jones at Duke uh, and Bentley at South Carolina. That's I mean, that's four pretty solid quarterbacks left in the schedule, I guess, to test this defense if any of them can can withstand the uh, the pass rush. Yeah, I think if you have a weakness with Clemson, I think it's really at the you know they have Trey Lamar at linebacker, but I think a lot of the I think they I think they're kind of weak at safety, and I think they're kind of weak with some of the other linebackers outside of Lamar. I think uh, you know you see a guy like J.D. Davis who who plays a lot for them and who was a a two star who was you know nobody else even wanted even at, he was him and his twin brother I think were the sons of the strength and conditioning mm, coach so. He's worked his way up to play, but at the same time, you know, if we're, if we're talking about pure talent compared to some of the guys they've had there in the past, I just, I just think they're, I think they're lacking a little bit in the back seven. I do like the corners, you know, AJ Terrell, who was a five star, yeah. and Tra- Trayvon Mullen, who was highly ranked. Those two guys are pro- definitely going to be NFL guys, but sometimes I think they're still, you know, Terrell's still young. They still make some mistakes. We saw it in the Texas A&M game. Uh, so that's that's how many Mullins are left, by the way. There have been a few, right? There was Trayvon and Tijuana. Are there are there more brothers? Are there? I don't think I, I think uh, Taiwan's the last yeah. one. Where's he committed? Where did he commit? Indiana. Yeah, yeah. that's Rob's territory, right? Not yours. Yeah, that's Rob's. But uh, I think you know. Of course, I was involved with Trayvon quite a bit uh, before Rob moved to Florida. But I, I don't know. I think that's the last one. But you never know when they're going to yeah. pop out of the yeah. work uh, <laughs> <laughs> down in, down in uh, South Florida. All right, moving on. We can go over this one quickly. LSU wins forty-five to sixteen against Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense definitely uh, the cure for offensive woes. LSU looks pretty good in the passing game. Burrow throws for two ninety-two and three touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Chase looked good. Uh, had a great touchdown catch. Uh, Terrace Marshall, five-star wide receiver, had a deep catch. Justin Jefferson, who everyone is tweeting me at today, had 99 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he was a two-star. <laughs> Stars don't matter. Well, 
I mean, he was he was only a two star because he got no offers because he wasn't qualified academically and he didn't sign on signing. Sure, day, you sure. Know? I mean, so. you know, uh, you got to love recruiting a player who can't get on the field. That's I think every coach's dream is they just want guys who they can't even get in the university. I think we're all looking for that. Right. And people say, well, how do you speculate about, you know, how do you speculate about academics? Well, I didn't, there was no speculating. He, he didn't qualify. He didn't sign with LSU until I think the summer, uh, because they stuck with him, but yeah, no, you know, had we just been ranking him on his ability, he definitely, he probably would have been a high three star. I remember seeing him in camp. He was pretty impressive, but, uh, he's definitely outplaying that, uh, so far, you know, he's definitely not playing his 5.22 star ranking, which I'm going to hear for now for years to come. And Burrow looked good. He also had 96 yards rushing. Did you know he could run like that? Yeah, I saw him run the ball a bit in high school. Uh, there was there was an incredible game he played the final final game of his senior year. He played in the state championship in Ohio against Toledo Central Catholic, and uh, I believe he posted about 600 yards total offense in that game, including like six touchdowns. There was about 100 on the ground, 500 throwing. Uh, that was an unbelievable game that he played there. I mean, he definitely has the athleticism, and he's more athletic than Dwayne Haskins, which of course um, Ohio State fans don't didn't seem to realize. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they would think that. That's really that's really odd. But, <laughs> okay, we can't discuss well, no, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but it was like it was like Blake when Blake Barnett was running for a bunch of yards against Georgia Tech, and this, people were like, and the I think it was Rod Gilmore was like, who would have ever thought? I'm like, well. He was ranked as a, the number one dual threat quarterback <laughs> in ESPN's rankings. Uh, you know, maybe they would have thought. Yeah, that. but Burrow did look good, though. I mean, I, I, I think it was definitely easily the best game he's played all season. Um, I don't think he's been super impressive this year. Um, I know he's kind of been the program savior in the media or whatever you want to call it. But um, this was the second game all year. He completed more than half of his passes. The first one was Louisiana Tech last week. Um, okay. His right. completion percentages on the season, uh, game by game here, were 45.8, 50, 44.1, and 57.1 until this week. Um, so definitely a huge step forward for him. Um, I still kind of question his throws to the sideline and kind of getting velocity on that ball. Um, I really don't think he can do it that well. Um, I, I think he's going to – when he plays these uh, bigger defenses coming up here and um, pulling up their schedule now, I mean, I, I think he's going to get picked off several times. Um, he's accurate, but I don't think he has a zip on the ball to kind of complete some of these big throws. Yeah, I think uh, they play they play at Florida next week, which has been a contentious situation ever since the uh, the hurricane cancellation situation a couple of years ago. I think I could see I could see them having one of those stupid games where it's like nine to six <laughs> or something like because I don't I, I don't see any scenario in which Florida is going to be able to move the ball in LSU's defense, and like you mentioned, Burrow could struggle, and next thing you know. Uh, it's a game that's decided on which DBU comes up with the most. Yeah, what's the most possible Florida LSU game here? I'm thinking each team gets a field goal on its first drive, does not score the rest of the game, and someone throws a pick six to lose, 10-3. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see that. I would take the under. <laughs> if, if it's a blowout, it's going to be – it would yeah, be LSU yeah, sure. Florida because, they're, because Frank's struggles. But they have a gauntlet coming up. Listen to this. They play at Florida, home for Georgia – uh, then they play Mississippi State at home. Then they're home for Alabama. So, and, and honestly, what, uh, they have then they have that at Arkansas game. Then a, a breather against Rice and at A and M. At A and M is not going to be a cakewalk either, in my opinion. Uh, they could lose three or four games on the stretch. I don't think they will lose three or four, but I mean it's very much in play. 
yeah, so so we'll be watching LSU closely. Ole Miss continues to struggle. You know, Jordan Taamu is is a good quarterback, but it just that they're in, they're put in such obvious passing situations that people are kind of they're teeing off on him. And Ole Miss has not had a running back. I was working on a story about like running backs drafted, uh, and before. Jordan Wilkins got drafted this past year. It was something like, you know, they hadn't had one drafted since wow. the 90s. So it's just for some reason they can't seem to figure out that position. They did sign uh, a couple of years ago. They signed Eric Sweeney, who was a top 100 guy, and he ended up tearing his ACL two different times. He's still on the team, but he's not featured very much. Um, he was a guy I thought was going to break that streak. Obviously, Wilkins got drafted, but he had injury problems as well. So Ole Miss, you know, it's it's going to be a long rebuild there as they try to make up for all the guys that they've lost that we see. You know, a lot of the players that left there are playing uh, big roles at other at other spots, including, you know, obviously Shea Patterson, Van Jefferson, even Trey Nixon at UCF is one of their yeah. best receivers. Uh, and uh, Deontay, and- Deontay Anderson? No. Which Anderson was it? The, the, the highly ranked. I'm not familiar. Team. I couldn't tell you. Um, anyway, he ended up at Houston. So, all right, moving on. Let's uh, we can get it rolling here. Oklahoma wins 66 to 33 over Baylor. Uh, Austin Kendall started uh, because Kendall Murray was in trouble. Murray comes in and lights it up. He continues to look like I would. I guess you would say is he is he the. Uh, is he the Heisman front runner? Yeah, right now? probably. Uh, I think he's the, been the best player. I think there's probably still some left for momentum for uh, for Tua and Will Greer. Uh, you know, just from their performances. But I'd, I'd probably, if I if I were a betting man, I'd say Kyler Murray. Yeah. And uh, interesting note: former five star Jalen Hurd had nine catches for 104 yards and a touchdown, and also had six carries for 12 yards and a touchdown for Baylor. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that was deemed a bust because he left Tennessee in the middle of the Butch Jones debacle, and now he looks like he's going to be a high draft pick. So uh, He I'm made the right call, yeah. I, I know he was a guy that Ohio State badly wanted to come out of high school when, when he was getting recruited. and uh, Yeah, and guess what? They wanted him to be an athlete. They didn't want him to play running back, and that's why he didn't go there. And now – he is playing wide receiver. <laughs> so um, they get the last they get the last laugh. We all thought he was an athlete. Uh, we ended up making him a five star running back, and uh, I think he's like something like third all time in Tennessee history in rushing yards, which people don't think that's true, but it is, which shows uh, you know just how good he is. He then moves to another position, is now you know a really good wide receiver. Oklahoma, they keep rolling along. I'm still I still remain dubious of them. Yeah, I reserved the right to that headed into the Texas game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll see, how, Texas, we'll see how that goes. I think, I think, I think gonna Texas is going to win that one. Okay, early upset pick. I think cool. we're going to talk about them later. Uh, people are mad. Notre Dame wins 38-17. to 17. People feel like the Irish aren't getting enough love. They beat Stanford. This was a game that was really that seemed like the easiest game of the week to pick for me. I thought Stanford – should have lost to Oregon by about twenty points for for like that all those crazy things that led really to Oregon bad referee doing that game. Right, yeah, classic Pac-12 refs, the whole situation, and uh, Notre Dame kind of overwhelmed them. Their defense looked really good. I think Bryce Love got hurt, but at that point the game was was kind of over. Dexter Williams. Now I don't know why, and I went on the Notre Dame board and said this last year, how he's not the clear number one when they kept <laughs> insisting on playing Tony Jones Jr. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, no, no offense. I know Jones had some big games, but come on. Dexter goes for 21 carries for 161 yards yesterday. And uh, he, he, he was really, I mean, w- when you have him compared with, and you have Book, who, by the way, looks infinitely better than, uh, 
than Wimbush. I think Notre Dame has a legit shot. A shot to make the playoff know. or a shot to win the playoff? Yeah. No, yeah, they have, the they have a great saying. chance to make the playoff for sure. Uh, I really like Book. And and honestly, uh, you know, no disrespect to Brandon Wimbush, who by all accounts is a great kid, but I think he's probably the third best quarterback on that roster. I, I was pretty surprised he started the season. But I think they I think they made the right choice in getting him out of there early. Um, yeah, yeah, the run game, it's crazy. Like you said, that Dexter Williams has not been more heavily featured because Tony Jones Jr. looks pretty pedestrian and uh, – even like they they have their running quarterback came in Avery Davis there who had two fumbles on four carries. Uh, it just seems like mm-hmm. kind of, I mean like they they play great this game and you know but for the rest of the season don't ever think it just hand the ball to your best athlete who's also your running best running back. I mean it just it seems pretty simple to me. Well, and Book looked pretty good running around too, didn't he? Fifteen carries for forty-seven. I'm, uh, I'm sure that's sacks involved there. So I mean I, I don't know what his um what his unadjusted rushing is but yeah yeah i mean i like him a lot and he's, he's much more accurate than the Wimbush. he seemed to do a good job of getting his strengths too which are hitting these quicker throws from like you know about eight to 15 yards downfield as, as opposed to kind of pushing the ball downfield so i mean I, i've been pretty impressed with him miles boykin had a huge game as well all the talk was about stanford's giant receivers uh, blah 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 guess what miles boykin pretty big 11 catches, 144 yards. A guy we thought would probably end up being a tight end in college. Do you, know, pretty good. Do you think Elise Mack's going to break out there soon? Like, like, he seems like he's open on so many routes. I don't see them getting him the ball a lot. I've just got, been kind of confused by that. I feel like his production doesn't match his um, his ability right now. Yeah, he had a touchdown catch. He might have a little bit of Isaac Nata syndrome where sometimes sometimes I think these these guys forget about these tight ends. And uh, some of these guys, you know, the O.J. Howards of the world end up being better in the NFL than they were in college because they're featured more. Um, Stanford, I don't know. I could see Stanford, you know, they're still in the driver's seat to win the Pac-12 North and probably uh, the conference. I mean, if they beat Washington, their schedule's pretty easy. But I don't know. I could see them losing to Washington. And honestly, I could see them tripping up against, you know, someone like Cal or Arizona State where, you know, they kind of level the playing. Or even, you know, they play Utah next. Utah's defense is really good against the run. So, I'm sort of skeptical of Stanford, and that's why I picked uh, Notre Dame coming into the week. Uh, real quick, Auburn struggled with Southern Miss, 24 to 13. Auburn is one of we talked about Georgia sleepwalking. Auburn is really sleepwalking. I think last week, I mean, they beat Arkansas 34 to three in a game that was much closer than that, and there was obviously a long lightning delay in this one, but they should have beat Southern Miss by much more. Southern Miss actually had the ball. I think it was 21 to 13 and they were driving uh, and then they threw an interception. So it wasn't like, I mean, this was a one score game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, just one of those sloppy games, but Auburn can definitely do better, especially because they need style points because they already lost a game to LSU. And if LSU drops off and they want to be in that mix, they're going to have to to get some big wins. Um, Moving on a game that we talked about, I talked about last week. I hyped up BYU saying they should be ranked higher than Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I, I think I picked BYU as my lock of the week, which then, <laughs> yeah, you know, Ryan, you don't know this, but I make picks on the podcast and then pick you against did. myself when, uh, when Saturday rolls around <laughs> because I don't trust my own gut. And uh, actually had a friend text me and said, hey, you know, I think about betting on BYU, you know, plus 18. I was like, nah, BYU, they're not going to get blown <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened. I still contend that they should have been ranked higher than Wisconsin because they beat Wisconsin and their only loss was to Cal. Uh, they had more power five wins than Wisconsin. Also, Wisconsin's not good. It's, it's worth remembering, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, uh, so Washington rolls them. 
you know, Washington, they've got a game coming up. I think they have – do they have a bye this week? I'm not sure. I know – I know. I think Oregon has a bye, and then they play each yeah. other. Well, Washington uh, plays no, UCLA play UCLA this week, and then um, they'll have a bye – they have a bye in between their game against Stanford and uh, their game against Oregon State. So that's like the week of November 10th is their bye week. Right. So their big games are obviously Stanford, uh, but, you know, they, they go at UCLA. That should be a blowout. Then they go to Oregon on the 13th, which is, in my opinion, could end up being the decider if I'm right about Stanford losing a couple more times. I think uh, – that could decide maybe the Pac-12 championship, definitely the North Division. And that Colorado game's a referendum uh, as well. I mean, you've, I mean, Colorado is probably not that good, but they're undefeated still at this point. In the, and uh, they're 4-0. Uh, you got to win in the Pac-12, and they're theoretically in control of the entire Pac-12 right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. I remember at the beginning, we talked about it on this show, they were trying to put Mike McIntyre on the hot seat. <laughs> And I was like, Colorado was the worst team like in all of Power Five. Like they were like Kansas level bad. And then he's taking them to bowl games and he has one bad year and he's on the hot seat, you know? Like and now they're four and oh. Like Colorado is not in a position where be putting people on a hot seat just because they don't make a bowl game every year. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's like uh, a lot of schools have that syst- like that syndrome I, I wanna say where they kinda constantly try to replace a replace a solid coach with a riskier one who gets into the next level. And the the answer is that most Fans and certainly most boosters just don't want to hear is that um, you know there's only about 20 programs in college football who can be that good that consistently and it's just very difficult to do it at schools um, that don't have the right recruiting profile or the right historical background. So I mean I just don't know how Colorado uh, you know they're where they're at right now is pretty good and they should be pretty happy with it. I'd say. Right. Well, of course, you know a youngster like you won't remember. Yeah, with Cordell Stewart and all that. I just know that because I'm a Steelers fan as a kid, but uh, (laughs) and still am. But um, yeah, I mean, sure. But that whole region of the country, right? Look at Nebraska has that kind of expectation. Uh, There were years where Kansas State was competitive under Bill Snyder. Like, there's. It's just. It seems unsustainable for all those schools to be good at once, certainly. But even for any of them right now to be like national title contenders is not possible, in my opinion. All right, moving on. West Virginia beats uh, Texas Tech forty-two to thirty-four in a game that was looked like it was a blowout. Then it got close. Texas Tech stormed back. Uh, I picked Texas Tech to win this outright in my private life. Uh, West Virginia wins, though. This was the kind of game they would have blown last year, and I think you know, I really think we need to talk about them more. Uh, you mentioned Will Greer definitely in the Heisman conversation. They've got a really tough stretch coming up, or they cl- excuse me, they close with like a brutal stretch of Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Jeez. But in the meantime, they could easily win three more, be uh, seven and zero, oh, and, and yeah, feeling really good. That's about what West Virginia does every single year. Like right, they start seven and zero, oh, eight and zero, oh, then they collapse November because their roster's too thin and they have too many injuries. <laughs> right, but I, I'm starting to feel like this is different. Okay. I'm starting I, to feel I mean, like yeah, that's, I mean, their offense is incredible, and I really do like um, their defensive coordinator there, Tony. Um, oh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, first name's Tony, their defensive coordinator, West Virginia. Uh, Tony Gibson, that's what it is. Is uh, pretty. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> He's pretty impressive at turning the ball over. Um, I mean, they kind of understand that, like a lot of schools do, that uh, there's little value in the Big 12 of trying to stop the ball because you can't do it. So your best effort is to turn the ball over and create as many interceptions as you can, uh, which they did pretty well this week. Um, there were, let's see, three interceptions thrown by Texas they Tech, uh, including uh, and one of them yeah, including the pick six, six to uh, 
you had my guy Kenny Robinson from uh, from Pittsburgh there, Pittsburgh Amani Amani Catholic. Uh, he got a big interception. Uh, shout out to Kenny, who's a great kid and a uh, very funny <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, West Virginia looks good, man. I mean, I like them. I think they got great receiving talent. Great, they great passing offense. Defense is opportunistic. Um, they can win some football games. It's, but like you said, that that four game schedule is just. I mean, that's brutal to, to, to have four of those and especially two of them on the road at Texas at Texas and at Oklahoma State. I don't know if they're cut out for that, man. That's, that's a really, really tough schedule for any team. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on them. Texas Tech had a little co- quarterback controversy as, uh, you know, Alan Bowman had kind of been the guy for them. I think he got benched in favor of Jet Duffy, name, who came in, who's definitely more of a runner. Yeah, great name. He had 86 yards rushing and a touchdown. He threw for 172, but did throw for two picks. But I think he, I think he kind of led them back. And uh, you know, I'm not. I don't know if there's a quarterback controversy there or not. Texas Tech feels like a really good, a really good three and two. But they did lose to Ole Miss. I think if they could have that one back, uh, they gladly would because that's a game they probably should have won. Um, moving on, Michigan come from behind, 20 to 17. Shea Patterson. Decided to finally show off uh, his wheels a little bit. Uh, kind of had to take the, the team on his shoulder. Did you get? To I did. Watch? I watched this very this closely. Um, I was. I had. I had some. I had a friend at the uh, at the Penn State Ohio State game who didn't have any service and had some uh, monetary interest in this game. So I was texting him updates consistently. Uh, watched most of it. Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. West Virginia just blew this game. Uh, I mean, they had a 17-0 lead and they didn't score no, for no the final. Sure. What was it like 45 minutes? I think of the game. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, and they now they were playing. They just lost their best Larkin, running back. Yeah, Jeremy Larkin this game. Exactly right. um, Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough to, to lose him. He's. I mean, he's a fantastic kid, and a big locker room leader for them. But uh, you got to have offense. You got to be more consistent than that. What do you think about? Okay, so you know everyone over overreacted week one when they lost to Notre Dame, which now is they lost to Notre Dame by seven, by the way, in a game that's and a loss that's looking much sure. better every week, right? Um, everyone decided that Shea Patterson sucked and was overrated. <laughs> um, he didn't. He doesn't have gaudy numbers in this game, and he threw for fifteen of twenty-four for one ninety-six, seven rushes for thirty-one yards. It seemed like I did have this on my number one TV for for a long stretch. Of course, I do I do tend to fall in this thing with the Big Ten where I forget I'm watching a game, especially a game like this. Uh, but I was I was uh, see, seeing how Shea was doing. Do you think you know we rushed to judgment too soon, saying he was overrated? What, what's your take? You know, as an as a as a big uh, I would say expert, you know uh, Ryan. What do you think? The problem isn't the I think national media's expectation. I think it was Michigan media's expectations, which kind of seemed to tout him as like a Heisman contender and top five quarterback, which was and remains ridiculous on its face. Um, but Shea is still a very quality quarterback who, with the right talent around him, is more than good enough to win you the conference, which is really all Jim Harbaugh needs at this point. Um, so I mean, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's kind of in that middle range of guys in the Big Ten. Um, where I, th- I think Trace McSorley and Dwayne Haskins are pretty firmly on top. I think there's a group uh, below that that he's, that he's involved in there with like Nate Stanley and uh, Brian Lewerke and Clayton Thorson, where I think he's a very good college quarterback. Um, he has more arm talent than those other guys for sure, um, but the results aren't always, aren't always quite there. Um, yeah, I mean, Michigan looks good, man. They're definitely a team that's trending upwards, I think. And if they get this win against Wisconsin uh, on October 13th, 
Um, I think they're going to be on a collision course with Ohio State, where it's going to be like a play-in game for the uh, Big Ten East Championship. Yeah, that, I'd love to see that happen. I, I do. I do. I just think you know. I think losing Tariq Black was was really big for for Shea and Michigan in general. I think he's by far their best receiver, and frankly, one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. I don't know if he's going to be able to get back by the end of the year. He, I, I'm trying to think of how long that broken it's foot injury would sound like he's progressing pretty well. Um, but you think he's better than People's Jones? Hmm. I like Nico a lot. I just yeah, I, I kind of lean towards DPJ, but I mean I really like both talents. Um, and Nico Collins had a pretty good game too. They, they, I mean, he looked pretty good for him there. Yeah. So uh, Michigan hanging around. I just don't think we should shut the door on them. I'm not saying they're going to win the conference, but I do think we were a little quick to sure. uh, to throw dirt on them. Uh, uh, we skipped over this one. Uh, we'll get back to it right now. UCF, <laughs> forty-five to fourteen over Pitt, and it wasn't even that close. It was a beat em down situation. I think did Milton throw a pick six? They the had a punt return for touchdown. Was there points? It was uh, Ra Ra Arujo Lopez, which is a great okay. name um, for Pitt. Uh, he had their punt return touchdown, but. But that was it. I mean, you know, people people want to talk about UCF and what if they played in the Power Five? They couldn't hold up to it. When your defense plays another Power Five team and doesn't give up a touchdown, I mean, they gave up like a garbage touchdown in the fourth. I mean, it was late in the fourth quarter too. I think. Yeah, it was very late. It was. Um, I think the final score of the game was uh, was Pitt's garbage time touchdown. And uh, there were. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pitt Twitter at all or any of like the that kind of group of people, but uh, it's the most self-deprecating fan base in the country. And um, it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, their their Twitter accounts were fantastic. And uh, there's some good bits going on. Like, uh, you know what? You may stop a Sean Watson offense for 30 straight minutes, but 60, no, sir, no chance in hell. And uh, we're just, just going off a bit on on Sean Watson, who has been much maligned as offensive coordinator. I think everywhere he's ever been, I'd say he's been maligned. Um, Interesting to keep saying OC jobs, but uh, yeah, Pitt looked awful in this game. UCF looked pretty good, but I think I think Pitt looked worse. Pitt looked more bad than UCF looked good, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I but I fully think though that if you put UCF in the ACC, they would be. Uh, the yeah, I agree for sure. This, uh, this year or last year, they would be competitive for the conference title in that in that conference. Which also the ACC is pretty bad, but um, UCF is also that good and. And they recruit better than just about any G5 team, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, they've got talent. They have studs. They have coaching. It, right. it seems like it's going to work. For, uh, you know, obviously, you got to see what it looks like when there's, we're a little farther out from the Scott Frost era. But uh, they're the real deal. Yeah, their backup quarterback came in. Yeah, their backup quarterback came in and had 10 carries for 64 yards. So that shows that uh, they definitely have some some other talent there on the roster behind McKenzie Milton. And I do think this game has some minor recruiting implications because Pitt has been, you know, really yeah. working down in South Florida. And that's UCF's uh, recruiting territory, especially the kind of guys that Pitt are trying to take. Uh, so I do think UCF wanted to send a message here to some recruits. And I, I, I think if you're Pitt, this could this could necessarily this could hurt you because it's not a good look to go down to Florida and get stopped by UCF if you're trying to convince the rest. Of, yeah, yeah, this is this Pitt. is a very bad look for Pitt, and I honestly think like in the fan base locally, there's some kind of hot seat pressure going on Narduzzi here because uh, you know they're now two and three, and the rest of the schedule looks very very rough for Pitt. So I think they're going to have some trouble recruiting down there this year. Um, that's a big reason they've had trouble recruiting locally as well. I think is is kind of these kids who grew up seeing Pitt and seeing the program. 
kind of see a lot of these wards up close and personal more so than like maybe the Florida kids who watch them a couple times a year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of frustration in this fan base and it's pretty well deserved, but I mean, we can definitely agree that this is setting up for Pitt to be like two and four after they lose to Syracuse this week. And, uh, then they beat like a top ranked Notre Dame, uh, at Notre Dame and then lose the rest <laughs> yeah, of their games yes. to finish uh, three and nine. That seems inevitable, right? <laughs> Right, or yeah, sure, or sure. perhaps they beat Miami <laughs> at the last week of the season, like they did last year. So, uh, but I think I'm not ready to start the old UCF should be in the playoff conversation again. But I think if they go to Memphis and win, which definitely looks winnable after Memphis lost to Tulane, uh, we could be headed into that USF game again with them being undefeated. And uh, especially if, if Milton stays healthy, losing the North Carolina game definitely hurts them losing it. I mean, in terms of it being canceled, because that would be two power five wins. Because I think they would. I mean, you watched Pitt play North Carolina last week, don't you think? UCF. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, they would North dump Carolina. them. Um, but but also, I think actually it might be a tougher game than USF as Cincinnati on this schedule. Uh, oh, that's right. You're yeah, right. they're five and zero. They got they've got a power five win too. Over, I mean, over a terrible UCLA team, but at UCLA, that's that's not bad for Cincy. Um, so I think that's going to be that's going to be fun to kind of those those last two games for UCF are. are and I mean, hell, Temples has a power five win. Navy has not looked bad. That's that's a pretty tough four game stretch there, actually, in November. Um, that I, you know, I think fans who don't follow it closely will, will realize it's a tough stretch. But like, if you're following S and P Plus or any of these other like advanced metrics that rank these teams, um, yeah, that's a pretty impressive stretch they have to go through. All right, uh, real quick on Thursday night, we had Miami win, win forty seven to ten over North Carolina. I think Larry Fedora could be on firing watch. Shoot. Um, yeah, and this is really bad. <laughs> this is this is just really really bad. They're not recruiting well. It seems like they're not playing well on the field. They're losing to bad football teams. They're losing to good football teams. Um, you know, their best win is a nail biter at home against Pitt. Who it looks? It's going to look worse every week probably. Uh, and the rest of their schedule is the pressure is going to only grow. Right? They're going to they're going to lose to Virginia Tech. They're probably going to lose at Syracuse. At UVA is a toss-up. Georgia Tech feels like a loss. Duke feels like a loss. Um, they got an FCS game, and NC State feels like a loss. I mean, this team's going to struggle to get three wins. Um, the pressure has to mount pretty quickly, I'd say. Yeah. And for Miami, you know that one kind of almost like you know Michigan's Notre Dame loss. That loss to LSU looks better every week, especially considering how they were able to move the ball in the second half. Uh, I think they're going to kill Florida State this weekend at home. I think this is going to be a turnover chain, spectacular, uh, with the way, especially how good they looked against North Carolina. And they could roll. Miami could win the rest of their games too. I mean, it, you know, talk, as I mentioned, if they if you put UCF on their schedule, that would be yeah, by for far sure. the hardest I mean, game. Uh, uh, right now I'm looking at it. It's, it's uh, either at Boston College or at Virginia Tech on their schedule. is probably their toughest test, which – Neither one of those are very difficult tests, you know. I mean, Boston College can run the ball, but those are two pretty boring offenses, pretty pretty stoppable offenses that kind of play into Miami's hands. And, you know, all they got to do is probably put up 17 or 24 points. They can win those games. All right, Ryan, we're running a little long, so we'll go a little lightning round here. Kentucky uh, wins 24-10 to 10 over South Carolina. South Carolina doesn't look right. I know Jake Bentley got a little banged up late in the game. Uh, Kentucky just Kentucky bullied him. We saw Justin Rowland tweet that he's used to he's seen Kentucky, you know, walk into buzzsaw situations so many years in a row. And now Kentucky is that buzzsaw. You mentioned earlier that they're set up to uh, 
to you know probably play Georgia for it's the surreal. for the Just East Division crown, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, but they looked they looked great in this game. Benny Snell continues to be you know workhorse. He only had ninety nine yards on twenty eight carries, but he's so tough that he really sets the tone for the team. Um, I do think if you when they run into a team that's that's good at stopping the run and really forces you know Terry Wilson to pass, we've seen him be kind of inconsistent. He can scramble a little bit, but I'm still not completely sold on him. But yeah. guess what? Hey, I know we're going lightly round, but oh, I have two quick questions for you on Kentucky. Uh, first of all, Benny Snell through okay. five games has 639 yards and eight touchdowns. If he gets to 1,525 touchdowns, is he going to New- and Kentucky finishes 10 and two? Is he going to New York? I don't think he makes okay. it, but I bet he finishes top 10 in voting. Um, I do think it's worth noting, like, you know, considering what he, what he's doing for the team, he's doing it, you know, but I just think if they're not in that, uh, if they're not in the SEC title game, that he's not going to get the invite, especially over somebody, you know, maybe say Miko Hardman or, or someone like that from Georgia. Especially if sure. Georgia beats and the somebody. second one, uh, are they going to get Bobby so, Petrino fired at anyway. Louisville when they beat them and end of November? Because that is shaping up like a rough season for Louisville right now. Yeah, and I put that in my, you know, I write a weekly column uh, on college football and get, kind of just give my thoughts. Yeah. And I put Petrino. I think Petrino's a goner. I think Louisville's terrible. I think Juwan Pass is predictably bad, as I said was going to happen since <laughs> as long as anybody would listen to me talk about it. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson covered up a lot of their warts. And now that he's gone, uh, we're seeing the fallout. And it doesn't help that you know, half of Petrino's <laughs> yeah. families on the staff and, you know, and all that stuff. There's a new AD. I just think they'd want a clean house. I think obviously it makes sense to bring yeah. Brom back from Purdue and have him be the guy. I think that's how this is. This is almost like, this is almost like halfway through the year last year. We knew Scott Frost was going to be the coach at, uh, at Nebraska. I'm to yeah. get that vibe. Uh, even though Purdue's two and three, I mean it's not like they're great, but they lost a couple of close games. He's he's killing it recruiting wise, and if and Kentucky is lining up to get a lot mm-hmm. of these. This is a great year for talent in the state. Kentucky's lining up to sign a lot of the guys, and I think, like you said, there's going to be a lot of pressure. People are not going to enjoy Kentucky being ranked and Louisville going three yeah. and nine or whatever they're set up to go. Uh, Quickly, Texas beats Kansas State in a closer-than-expected game, 19-14. to 14. I got a text from Rob Cassidy right before the game started saying, all my friends uh, in Kansas think Kansas State's going to get smoked today. They're all betting on Texas. And I said, okay, that means I will uh, take the under. And I, t- <laughs> I took the under smartly. This was just one of those games where Texas got up early, 19 to nothing. They let them hang around. I this I don't have any concerns. This doesn't change my opinion about Texas at all. I think you mentioned you're picking Texas to upset Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think they were just looking ahead a little bit, especially. Yeah, after, yeah, I tend to agree with you, and I think this um, this Texas team's improving. Um, I really like uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, um, not just for his name, which is great, but also just for his style of play. I think he's a really electric receiver. Um, I still don't think this quarterback thing with Sam Ellinger is like impressive at Texas, but it's settled. It's like they feel confident in him, I feel like, and they can do enough. And the defense is pretty stout. So I think uh, the Todd Orlando defense is really impressive. And and they have enough on offense to win some big games here. So I think Texas will – I think they're going to win double-digit games this year. Whether it takes them a bull game to do it or not, I'm not positive. But I think they're going to win 10 or more this year. 
All right, Michigan State wins 31-20 to over Central Michigan. They kind of let them back that game. They gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter, so it was definitely 31-3, to and they kind of let them hang around. But Central Michigan's not good. Uh, Michigan State, you said you don't think it's good. I, I think they – I still think they could be in line for like a 7-5 and type season, uh, especially with the way things shake out down the stretch, maybe 8-4. and But not every year is going to be – you know, a, a great year. I think they're definitely a solid, you know, back into the top 25, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with them, but it's the second straight week where uh, LJ Scott has been like cleared to play. And then last second before the game, like literally like 10 minutes before the game kicks off after warmups, is told he can't go. Um, it's two weeks in a row where he's been a late sit. I don't know what's up with them. They just seem out of it. I, I don't think their talent's like impressive. I don't think their quarterback's impressive. I don't think their coaching's impressive at this point. I think their defense has been outdated for a couple of years. And I think their lack of talent relative to the other big three in the Big Ten East is going to catch up to them. And it's going to get worse soon in addition to all the off-the-field stuff. It just feels like um, those are the other shoes with the drop for Michigan State soon. And I, I think they're going to start a downward trend with this season. <laughs> All right, so direct your tweets at, at uh, Ryan I did not say any of those things. <laughs> uh, in a game that kept me up until very late last night, Oregon wins 42-24 to over Cal. Didn't really even feel that close. I mean, it seemed like, you know, Cal was just throwing interception after interception in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, Oregon's running game looked really good. I think – you know, and uh, a friend of the show, Marcus Arroyo, the Oregon offensive coordinator, they got to turn Herbert loose, dude, because I'm telling you, he's better than he's better than in my opinion. He's better than Haskins. He's better than Drew Locke. He's better than whoever you want to say in terms of being an NFL guy. He can do everything that they don't have a ton of good wide receivers. I think that factors into it. But, I mean, I think they need to let Herbert cook, and I think if they do, they could be – I mean, they could have put up 60 if they wanted to. Instead, they went pretty conservative. Uh, I don't know if you check this out. What's your – I like him a lot. I think uh, Herbert, the three right? three of the quarterbacks you named there, I think Haskins, Locke, and Herbert are going to be competing for the top draft slot. And, and I think Herbert is definitely the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, he's very accurate. He's got the size. Um, like you said, I, I kind of want to see him turn loose because we don't really see him throw the ball downfield a ton. Uh, we, you know, there's not a lot of – a ball shoving a lot in the air, but I, mean, I think he's got the arm. I think he's got the accuracy, and it seems like he has the mental game as well. So I, I think, you know, if you told me he's the top quarterback in the country, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shout at you. You know, I, I, it's, I think he definitely has that that ability, and um, I like him, man. He's he's got a good career ahead of a, I mean, good pro career ahead of him, and Oregon can do some stuff this season. I mean, they have a, you know, they had that early loss, but to, to Stanford, but I mean, they very, they, you can argue they should win out the rest of the schedule. They beat Washington next week. Um, there's no excuse to not finish 11 one if they can beat Washington. I think there's a lot of freshman receivers out there. there. I think Oregon had three or four receivers decommit, especially after Willie Taggart left. They lost mm-hmm. uh, Chase Coda to UCLA, who he's playing for them. I think there's some receivers out there kicking themselves, just probably turning on the TV and watching Herbert and being like, he's only got one good receiver on his team. I could be playing for them. And I'm not, you know, like I think if you look at like Warren Thompson uh, at FSU, which I'm not even sure if he's played yet this year. Um, I mean, you've got to you've got to think some of those guys uh, are, are thinking like, yeah, look at this offense, know, oh man. And, and speaking of receivers, by the way, look from... at your Tennessee guy. They're Dylan Mitchell balling out this game. Seven catches for 105, and it's oh, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. That's that's a good day. Yeah, the uh, 
the the number one player in the state of Tennessee that year who was, you know, of course, mm-hmm. you know, badly overrated, as everyone would say. And he's he's rolling now. Herbert's going to Herbert's going to get him a check because uh, he's putting up some massive numbers. Uh, all right, Cal, you know, Cal's not bad. They got a, they're, they're rotating quarterbacks like every other play. Um, yeah, it's like, I don't get doing? that. I don't get the, I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's like every coach seems to have this arrogance that like, uh, their two quarterback systems, the first one that will ever work. And, uh, why, like, why do you think that way? It never, ever works. You always have chemistry issues. You always have performance issues. It's stupid. It's, it's just plain stupid. And I think, uh, any coach who, uh, ever has a two quarterback system like that should like be publicly flogged or something. Like, it's just so dumb. <laughs> Well, McIlwain looked good running the ball. He did throw a couple picks late. Uh, Chase Garbers played also through two picks. I mean, I think you got to go with personally. I think McIlwain looks like the dude. You, yeah, I, he went to a couple of high state camps. He's from uh, Council Rock, PA, uh, over in the eastern uh, part of the state. He was committed to South Carolina, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, he went to South Carolina, uh, and then he left. Uh, once Bentley came in and kind of took over, he was out of there. And he, he tried to get eligible last year at Cal. He couldn't get the waiver. He's eligible this year. What's weird is Ross Bowers, who I think was their quarterback yeah, last year, doesn't even who were play like at all. on the depth chart with Patrick uh, Laird and Ross Bowers. Yeah, Laird. Well, Laird play, Laird. Uh, Laird is running back. He did throw a pass in a game. But yeah, I don't know what happened to to Bowers as he he was the guy a lot last year. But I think Cal's good, not great. I would put them in the Michigan State uh, discussion. And then uh, Duke, they lose to Virginia Tech. They they wrote they brought their quarterback back, who you know was coming off a uh, injured clavicle. Virginia Tech bounces back. These two teams are really non-starters for me. I'm not a, I'm not I'm not big on Virginia Tech. I think they're good, not great. Duke. You know, you know what you're getting with Duke every year. They're going to win games they shouldn't. Yeah, win. I mean that's you know, about the size of it. They shouldn't and, lose. You know, I guess good good scheme job here by uh, Bud Foster. I mean, Cutcliffe's an impressive play caller, and holding Duke to 14 points is, is pretty impressive. You got to give him that, I guess. But uh, yeah, VT doesn't do much for me at really any level. Yeah, and then uh, last but not least, Florida goes down to Mississippi State and wins 13 to six. I think uh, holding that defense to six points is worth noting. Florida's offense. This is Florida has had three coaches and has had the same. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Just they they, they cannot like like, it's like this nightmare. They can't escape. Just I I think maybe they asked for some monkey's paw to get rid of uh, get rid of (laughs) their previous coaches and they'll just have the same guy forever. Right. I mean, they, they win the game. I mean, Felipe Franks actually was pretty efficient, 22 of 31 for 219, did throw a pick. They scored a touchdown on a trick play where Kadarius Toney, who was a high school quarterback, uh, I think it was a, a kind of like a double pass uh, where he threw it. The running game struggled. They only averaged three and a half yards a carry. LaMichael Pirine led him with 55 yards. I don't know what's up with – I don't know what's up with Nick Fitzgerald. And I think, you know, Mississippi State fans, I think you got to look at – benching him and going uh this which seems crazy because i know he was going to win the heisman and all that but i know uh you know uh 
Thompson, the backup, is a guy I loved, and he looked very good early in the season when he was filling in for Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, 11 of 26 for 98 yards. And that's what these drive me crazy is at the beginning of the year, we saw these, like, top NFL prospects. I'm like, Fitz, Fitzgerald can't throw. I mean, we know the drill by He's now, not, right? Like, like, like these NFL, NFL guys who write these lists, but it's like Walter Football and all these other random sites to do this stuff. I don't think they watch college football games. I don't think they watch them until, like, January after the season's over uh, when they watch, like, clips of them. Um they're almost like useless to me at this point. They just, I mean, they just pick whatever like incumbent starter white quarterbacks out there as a pro prospect. That's the only, that's the only method. There has to be. There's no other explanation why Nate Stanley, Brian Lewerke, Alex Hornibrook, Nick Fitzgerald, all these like just sucky, boring quarterbacks <laughs> are considered pro prospects every year. It happens every year. Yeah, and and Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald is very good as a runner. He's definitely yeah. like a give you some Tim Tebow vibes. But on the year, fifty two of one hundred six for six hundred forty yards. That's forty nine percent completion rate. Uh, his longest completion is only forty four yards for four touchdowns Oof. and two interceptions. He's been sacked eleven times, and uh, I mean that tells you that's that tells you all you need to know. I mean, I'm not I'm not picking on the dude. I'm just saying. He's always been he's always been a better. I mean, his his best season was last year when he completed fifty five percent of his passes, and he had fifteen touchdowns and eleven picks. I mean, so uh, yeah, I, I, I don't um, I don't I don't get the, the love. Well, did you see? The, did you have you been following like quick, the Florida drama with the Darius Lemons? I saw he got arrested, which I was. Oh yeah, that's, I mean, I was just, it about. just seems like I, I don't know. It just seems. About. What a weird saga! Just there was like the pump fake transfer and the transfer and now to rest. It's it's very disappointing, obviously to say the least. Um, but yeah, he, he had issues. He had plenty of issues when he was in high school. I actually wrote about him this week and the the guys who took advantage of the red shirt rule. He he took advantage of it, but now I would be surprised. He's probably headed to JUCO if he's going to play football at all. He's always had a lot of off field issues. The talent is there. We'll just see if he can. He can bounce back. Well, as we look ahead to next week, uh, we talked about it already. Texas, Oklahoma shaping up to be probably the game of the week. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking Texas in this one, Um, which means you should probably pick Oklahoma because I'm usually wrong. But, um, yeah, I like like the Longhorns in this one. They have momentum. And um, I don't know. I just feel like Oklahoma's defense is just to be had at any given time. I still don't feel impressed by it at all. With Rodney Anderson out, their run game isn't really uh, – like Trey Sermon's a good back, but he's not special. He's not a game breaker. Um, I just don't think they necessarily – if they get an, uh, get an adversity here, I think there's a lot that Texas can do with them. Yeah, I also like some of Texas's young DBs. So I might lean towards Texas covering. I don't know what the spread's going to be. Uh, LSU at Florida we talked about as well. Look for <laughs> LSU to win that game 13-9 sure. to nine or something <laughs> to that effect. Uh, uh, Miami and Florida State, what would you set the line at if you were – if you were guess what the line's going to be, we'll do our best Bill Simmons cousin Sal. Uh, Florida State at Miami, 330 game. Um, top of my head, it's like 20 and a half. Is that reasonable? I don't think much Ooh, of Florida geez, State. Like, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, they got uh, Cam Akers and what else? Like, you know, uh, Kale on the board. But that, that team hasn't shown anything to make me think they should be taken seriously uh, with wins over Samford, Northern Illinois, and a terrible Louisville team. I mean, they got dumped by both Syracuse <laughs> and Virginia Tech. Uh, and they I didn't watch a lick of that game. I didn't want to torture myself. Did you watch it at all? <laughs> 
No. Uh, we had Bobby Petrino. Oh, okay. I about this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. With two minutes left. Uh, the two minutes left, they're in the red zone. They're actually, uh, I think, uh, about, you know, going in. They just need to really run out the clock. And he has Juwan Pass throw it, and he throws a pick. Amazing. Let Simultaneously, right the most the Petrino call possible, the most Juwan Pass throw was, possible, and the most, like, karma situation available. I mean, you got to love it. Yeah, so, and then we have Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, which I think we would both have uh, Notre Dame as a big favorite in that one. So not not a not a excellent slate next week, but still some pretty good games, especially with some teams getting into their buys. Uh, so that wraps it up. We went long. I tried to, I told myself. I am, I, I am. Sorry, buddy. Five minutes, but, you know, you're a talker, Ryan, so. Okay, so uh, if people want to find you, since I don't follow you on Twitter and don't know what your Twitter is, even though that's how I contacted you. Oh, oh here it is. It's B1G yes, sir, that is me. underscore. Uh, you know, Ryan. fair warning, uh, uh, plenty of hot takes during football Saturdays. Uh, pretty mild the rest of the time, but yeah, Saturdays get spicy. You've also got a... Uh, I was, yeah, I lost 110 pounds. I just, I had my year anniversary, so. so I'm just going to leave that up for a couple of weeks and... Uh, uh, you know, just, just just a little flex real quick, but yeah, no, uh, that'll be gone soon. Trust me. Well, as someone who has been uh, fat and skinny and now fat again, I can appreciate uh, your weight loss journey, as they says the people say on Instagram. I, I don't like I I don't. Oh, like man, you're your killing Instagram me here. That was the only one I ever posted. Many shirtless photos. <laughs> It's <laughs> a lot of transformation yeah, yeah. Tuesday. I had to get uh, one up, and that'll be it. That's, that's probably it for a good five years the rest of the time. So, uh, uh, what do you, I am? I am relatively right? recently single. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, wait. No, no, no. Oh, so no uh, she moved. Hot, and then uh, you just, uh, and, you uh, I don't want to do long distance. And, uh, okay. Yeah, although this weekend I had a friend in town from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, who has not been in town for a while. And uh, his girlfriend was like relentlessly trying to hook me up with her friend, and uh, we'll see. It's it's a, it's, in a, it's a questionable situation here. We'll see how it goes. Okay, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I've seen 126 likes on this shirtless photo, so I would like to know if there was any DF. You know, it's it's the Me Too era, so you got to be careful. Fired, Ryan, fired by imaginary know, job doesn't exist. Uh, there might have been some. <laughs> So follow Ryan. He's got a he's got a, a big job announcement coming up. Hopefully, you know I don't I don't know what it is, but uh, I wanted to reach out and have Ryan on. I've known him since he was an annoying intern in college, and now he's an annoying uh, colleague. So <laughs> Ryan, thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to do this for free. We want to remind everybody to leave us a review on iTunes, and we will be back with our normal episode on Thursday. Thanks a lot.